Good morning, church. I'll tell you, uh, I know those, uh, do you, do you like the new seats, by the way? I, uh, installed a few buzzers in selected places. Cause I know some of you, uh, you had trouble on a pew and I thought we get them in this seat. This is going to be all over. You know what I'm saying? I, I really don't mind if you sleep during my sermon, but I'd like for you to start awake. But I uh, want to, uh, first of all, say, as uh, has already been said, Happy Mother's Day. And I want to ask all of our mothers in both our, our assemblies uh, uh, to stand, if you would. And I want to have a prayer of blessing for our moms. If you're her mother, would you please... Uh, Please stand. And if those are around them, if you want to lay a hand on them or something, that would be encouraging too. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for our moms. Father, we're thankful for how you designed the family and how you have used uh, moms throughout history. To have great impact upon the kingdom. And I know the women that stand here in this particular body of people have done so much to promote the gospel around the world as well as to promote the gospel to the next generation. So, Father, we want to ask your blessings. And, Father, at the, at the same time, I know sometimes Mother's Day is not good for other folks that have, had, have come out of brokenness. And so we ask your blessings and comfort upon folks that struggle this day as well. So, Father, we give you honor and we give you glory as we recognize and encourage these ladies today. May they continue to be a rich blessing in the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. We can give another shot for our mom. Yeah. Okay, we have a, uh, you know, we have a special uh, Bible reader today. Come on up. Here, I got your mic right here. There you go. Esteban, many of you remember Esteban, our brother from uh, Nicaragua. And uh, uh, I got to say hi to his mom on the phone last night. Uh, and at the same time, remind him it's Mother's Day, you know, uh, which was a good She was day. impressed with the color of your legs. Oh, yeah. Well, that was great. That's great. You were wearing shorts. Was yeah, like, I was wearing shorts. Really white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll fit in really good in Nicaragua. But his, his mom is one of the most hospitable people I've ever met. And so I've just had her, uh, us in her home there. And so it was an honor to have a statement here with us. In our church family, uh, and uh, David, tell me a little bit what's going on with uh, uh, the gospel and the pandemic and everything happening at, in Nicaragua now. You were able to get out of the country. Yes, through Tegucigalpa, not through Managua, which is a story that I love, love to share with you on an individual basis. Um, uh, please pray for the political situation. It's uh, <laughs> there are people watching me, so just uh, that's all I, I'll say. 
But uh, gospel is doing great. Um, the Sunday, so two Sundays ago, there were two baptisms in the morning and one in the evening. And then on Monday, there was another one. So when, uh, when I te- my dad was like, make sure that you tell that there were eight baptisms and two reconciliations since January to date. And he's like, oh, no, no, I forgot one. And then yesterday, he was like, by the way, Monday morning or tomorrow, or I'm sorry, or today, we're having another uh, brother added to the body of Christ. So the gospel is, uh, is spreading, uh, and sometimes we would like to, to have big numbers, etc. But the most important thing is that there are people being added to the body of Christ That's right. every day. So please. That's right. Amen. 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 And- and so Stephen and his uh, father are on the radio. Yes. Uh, there is one of our uh, world radio speakers, and Stephen is our ambassador to that part of the world. Uh, thank you for all that you do. Thank you. Uh, he's been a great partner with us. Many of you have been to Dominican and uh, have worked with our works there with the children's home as well as the churches, and he's always been a big part of that. Look, you have impacted a lot of lives and so we give God the glory, Amen. but we give you encouragement, okay? Thank, Thank you. you for I being willing it. to be Thank used, you. brother. And so he's going to read our text for us today out of Romans 1, 16 and 17. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the you, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Thank you so much, Stephen. It's always a great, great time of joy uh, when Stephen comes and visits. And uh, we uh, just appreciate your dad. His dad has been a hero for the gospel in that part of the country for years and years and years and helped start a lot of churches. And so we just appreciate your family so very, very much. Um, uh, by the way, he, uh, I want to thank, uh, if, if, if your family ever gets on the live stream or not, look, uh, I want to publicly thank you for your time. And I want to thank your two girls and your wife because he's spending time away from them. And uh, uh, and I know that they they miss you as you travel and and do work in the kingdom. And so uh, uh, be sure and let them know how much we appreciate their sacrifice, too. His wife is a uh, medical doctor. And so she is in the midst of working with all the covid uh, uh, situations there with people. And there's been a huge rise in that just recently. And so there's a there's a lot of uh, tiring work going on. For the sake of the kingdom there. Well, we're starting off a new series, Road to Romans. Don't they say all roads lead to Rome? Uh, you've heard that. And, and the Romans did us a great, great uh, uh, favor when they built all these roads out of this concrete and rock and had like three layers when they built a road. And, and they laid these roads out. And uh, as a result, it made Paul's travel uh, around, I forget, I read recently how many thousands of miles he went on these Roman roads around through his trips, on missionary trips, preaching the gospel. But it made it a lot easier to travel and to go. And Rome was at center and Paul hadn't been there yet. He's wanting to go preach there. 
Uh, you think, you know, why there? Why would I want to write this letter and tell these people I'm anxious to get to you? And uh, when you when you realize I me, mean, you think about it. Who would want to like be dropped off in the middle of Times Square and say, OK, here, here's your job. Preach to this group. That's kind of the feel of this huge city of Rome that he's going to and desires to preach the gospel to. Already has house churches there and already has people meeting. And he's even close to some of them. Matter of fact, I'm going to. Go ahead and get my uh, Mother's Day verse. You didn't, re- you didn't think I could find one in Romans, did you? Yeah, I got one right here. In, in chapter 16, when he's greeting everybody, uh, right, closing out the book, he greets Rufus. I don't know, Rufus, who you are, but you had a great mom. Greet, he, Paul says, I greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me. I thought... Isn't that great that Paul would have that kind of feeling towards someone else? And that I, I've had that kind of relationship. There is a, a, there's a lady, she's passed away now. Her name is Joyce Moore. And uh, many of you may know Jeff uh, Moore, who used to be here. Joyce uh, was at the first church I was at in Uvalde, Texas. And Joyce took us in. She took all of us in, didn't she, Tommy? Um, she just took us into her house. She showed us hospitality. She taught us things. Uh, she was an active teacher of the church there. She just made us feel at home. She became my mom. Uh, as I had all of a sudden moved off into the middle of nowhere in South Texas. But from the time I moved from that town, every Mother's Day till she died... Joyce Moore got a phone call from me because she was, like Paul was saying about Rufus, she was a mother to me. She was a mother to me. And to have those kinds of relationships, especially in churches, is so so important. To have people that are family that you know that you want to be with. So Paul's wanting to go there and he's, he sends his greetings to him and he wants to be with these folks. Okay? Now, I want to read you the last verse of the book of Romans. I know you might think that's odd, Mike. Uh, You didn't even cover anything in the book, and you're already at the last verse. Well, I want to read you the last couple of verses because they really, the last verse and verse 16 and 17 that we read, tie everything falls in between those two verses about the book of Romans. It says in verse 20, uh, verse 25, Now to him who is able... To establish, that's, that's that word strength. That's where we get our word steroid from. Uh, brings in some strength there. To establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed. We're going to talk about that revealing. And made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that all nations might believe and obey him. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. And the church said, Amen. He wraps the book up with the acknowledgement of the gospel. And it reveals God's righteousness to those who believe. And it was for all nations everywhere. Well, that's how he starts the book. Let's do a little bit of reading. Chapter 1, verse 1. You're going to see, just notice how many times you're going to see the word gospel here, okay? Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. 
The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son. It's just not any God. It's the gospel regarding his son. See? Who as to his human nature was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him and for his namesake, we receive grace and apostleship to call people from among all Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all because your faith is being reported all over the world. How would you like that said about our church? How would you like that said about you? Isn't that good? Then their faith is reported all over the world. Uh, the God whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. He loves these folks. He wants to make a visit to them. And he says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. To make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I plan many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I've had among other Gentiles. I am, he's going to give you three I am statements here. He's, I'm going to tell you ahead of time. I am obligated. I am eager and I am unashamed. Okay, he's kind of logged those three there, okay? I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That's educated, uneducated, Jew, Gentile. This is everybody. That, that is why I'm so eager. I'm eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness, key word in the book, from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. I think sometimes we talk about the gospel so often and use the word so many times. Or we draw out the gospel drawing. Which, by the way, is one of the most simplest yet effective way to teach people. But sometimes it can become so uh, superficial. It's almost talked through and talked over like it's a formula. Or it's just a it's just a real shallow thing. Here's the gospel. I obeyed it. It's all over. But that's not how the gospel is at all in the book of Romans. Now, when Paul says, look, he says, I love you. I want to be with you. And when I get there, I want to have some harvest there. I want to preach the gospel to people. I want to see some folks come to the Lord. He says, and I'm eager to get there. This word eager has the idea of passionate readiness about it. I mean, he wants to be there and he's eager to preach the good news of Jesus. I think one of the things that happens to us over time in churches, it's real easy for us to lose our eagerness 
to see the gospel preached. It's easy to get caught up into a lot of other things that we're eager to do. And, you know, there are a lot of good works that go on, right? And there's a lot of good things that happen within communities. But as a buddy of mine once told me, not everything that's good to do is good for you to do. Think about that one. So as a church, we must always remind ourselves to stay focused on the main thing. And look, in the Bible, the plain things are the main things. It's real simple. The gospel, this story of God's Son, even though it has great depth to it, is the book point of everything we do. So when we make a decision... As leaders, we look around and say, okay, does this help me love God, my neighbor more? And does it help the gospel get out to other people? That's the questions that are asked. That should be the only two, really, that are asked. Because if that happens, then I know I'm on target. I remember one time a guy asked me, he said, Mike, what, 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 uh, what do you think, should, where should we be five years from now? What should we be doing? Do you have a dream? Do you have something lined out? I said, well, I hope I'm doing exactly what I'm doing today. Preaching the gospel, seeing people come to the Lord. That doesn't mean we can't plan and have some vision and dreams about things. But at the same time, if they're not all undergirded with the fact that we're getting people into the gospel, it's not worth anything. I'm not here to build a mega church. I mean, if we happen to have a whole bunch of conversions in one place and one jumps up, that's great. But that's not, that's not the goal. The goal is to get the gospel to everybody as quick as we can. Now, Paul says this gospel he's unashamed of. I, I thought about this because there are things, uh, uh, there are things in my life that I am ashamed of. You got any of those? But I don't have to be ashamed of the gospel. And see, the idea here is the gospel is what made me right with God. So the things that I do have that are shameful or have been shameful in my life, they're done away with the rightness of God. And I might be ashamed of some things in my past, but those are gone. But I'm not ashamed of the one who took care of my past. Jesus Christ. Now he says that this gospel has power. Many of you are familiar with the word dunamis. It says that dynamite power. It moves and touches hearts. It can change people inside. And when this story changes your life, this story of Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us and what he continues to do for us, when that's on target, that, that changes my heart, that leads me to all kinds of activity. Now, think about that. He says it's the power of God to salvation, right? I, I don't behave to be saved. I believe to be saved. Get that one down. The gospel is the power to save, not my behavior. I can't change my behavior enough to say now I'm right with God. But I can change my belief and my faith in the one who makes me right. So the gospel has the power to save salvation. Remember when you were saved? Just think back a minute. Remember that moment someone maybe had sat down and shared with you? Maybe it was at a camp. Maybe it was in your house. They shared the gospel. 
I remember one time I was in Oklahoma and I was sharing the gospel with this lady. And the guy that was with me was, uh, uh, he actually was on staff at the church, but he sat there and I didn't realize he had never heard the gospel. I'm going through it with her. And when we get to the end about, you know, there's bad news before there's good news about the condemnation and, and, and sinfulness, but God's got a way out for you. Here's what he's done through the gospel. And, 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 and she says, oh, yeah, I mean, she's moved by the story. And she, she wants to respond. She wants to be baptized. She wants to reenact that gospel. And I look over at him, and he's got big old tears coming down his eyes. You know, I did one of those. I threw it that way, and it deflected over there. And he's moved, and he says to me, this is a guy in church work. I've never understood the gospel. Well, that's the same thing, by the way. Same response Wesley had when he first studied the book of Romans. He was a religious man, but he never understood the gospel. Until he got into this book. Now, let me tell you something else the gospel does. It says the gospel here in verse 17, For in the gospel a righteousness of God is revealed. Okay, if something's been revealed, it's been there, right? You just hadn't seen it. So this is the idea of, uh, uh, wait, well, you ever, you ever hide anything behind a curtain? There's a curtain up. And in the Old Testament, God knows all along because He planned this before the creation of the world. How that Christ would die for our sins and be buried and raised. And so his story's developing all through this in our time, but in his time's nothing to him, right? He's already planned all this. He's already done all this. But it looked like sometimes that sin went unpunished. And Satan could have that argument. He said, look, now, God, how can you save Abraham? I saw him lie. I saw him cheat. I saw him be sinful. How can you save him? Just because he trusts you and has faith. How can you save a guy like Abraham? Who's going to pay for his sins? I said, don't, don't you worry about it. How about David? How does his sins get paid for? How do folks back then, before it actually happened in time, have their sins paid for? You see, what looked like maybe unfair and, un, and not righteous and not just right, not justice, right? The curtains pulled back when the gospel is preached of the story of how God came from heaven, Jesus Christ, in the flesh... Died for our sins, was buried, his body came out of the ground on the third day, went back to heaven to help us. One day he's coming again. That story of the gospel, that reveals how God was, God points to that cross and says, that's how I saved Abraham. That's how I saved David. That's how anybody is ever saved is always by the blood of Jesus. Always by the blood of Jesus. So the, God, the power of the gospel is working way before it was revealed. And now as we get to go out and preach it, we pull back the curtain, tell the story. Here's how God has worked to save mankind. It reveals God, not my righteousness. It reveals God is right in everything he ever did. God was right. And he reveals that. So let's just walk through this book a moment. 
Because as he tells them this theme of the whole book, the gospel is the power and it reveals God's righteousness. The next thing that comes up is about, well, what about mankind? Well, look at, in, 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 this, in this verse, 118 through 320, you get everybody lost. The Jews lost, the pagans lost, everybody's lost. And it leads you to verses like, there's none righteous. Or verses like, for all have sinned. By the way, you know that verse, right? For all have sinned and what? Fallen short of the glory of God. Now, I, this is my pet peeve right here. I, I, they, I got that memorized. They made me memorize that when I was a kid. They gave me the diagnosis of my condition, but didn't give me the cure. Why didn't they make me memorize the rest of the sentence? Matter of fact, what about the beginning of the sentence where he says, there's no difference, where he says, this is for everybody. There's no difference in anybody. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Anybody want to get that last part of that verse after that? What is it, Tommy? Tell us. We are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is found in Christ Jesus. I, that's the verse I needed. I got I sinned. I didn't have a problem with it. I knew I'd sinned. But I needed to know I could be justified freely by His grace. So, as a result, I stayed enslaved to sin a long time before I understood the grace of God. Even after I was baptized. Look here. Here's, here's the two lies that Satan tells you. Okay, got it? Here's two lies. One, he tells you when you're not a Christian, he tells you life is at the end of the paycheck. When you get paid Friday... You go out, you buy your beer, you hit the party, you hit the women. There it is. There's life out there. Hey, let's go enjoy life. Let's have a good time. Anybody ever participate in that? We won't tell nobody. Anybody ever had that vision of life? I did. That was it. You cashed your check and headed out, man. That was, somehow or another, there was life. But it was a lie because in that lifestyle was only death. But that's Satan's lie. Now, then once you become a Christian, real quick, Satan tells you another lie. He flips it. He says, now, every time you sin, you die. There is no life for you because you can't live perfect. And every time you mess up, stump your toe and say a bad word, you're dead. And I bought that lie. So I became a Christian. I was baptized into Christ. I reenacted this gospel. And then I thought that every time I stumped my toe and said a bad word, I was out of the kingdom. I was dead. So I had to say a quick prayer and get back in the kingdom. And so it was like walking a tightrope, you know what I'm saying? And so you're, you're just, you know, you're just kind of in and out of the kingdom all day long and you're hoping if he comes, please come when I'm in the kingdom. Right? I mean, you had that kind of feel. Matter of fact, if I could die just with a communion cup in one end and bread in the other and just boom, 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 I would make it. The only other assurance I would have is if you just drown me when you baptize me, I'm in. Now think about this. That we would have more assurance at the very beginning, immature part of our Christianity than we would any other time in our life. It's a lie. You see, because... In Romans, he said that gospel reveals God's righteousness. Everybody needs it. 
There is none righteous, no, not one. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. And there's condemnation because we choose to sin. But when we put our faith in chapter 3, 21 through 5, 21, we put our faith in God like Abraham did and have that Abraham kind of faith and trust in God, then we become saved, we become God's people. Matter of fact, I'll just uh, read you two of my favorite verses. Uh, chapter 5, verse 9. Since we've now been justified by His blood, how much more? Then again, he says in verse 10, For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? I needed the how much more verses, really, in my life. Because now I'm saved by faith. I can walk. Remember, it's not about perfection. It's about direction. So now I walk and the blood of Jesus continually cleanses me of my sins as I trust the gospel keeps on working. It's not a one-time thing that happens in baptistry. The ongoing cleansing and forgiveness of my sins is taking place. And not only that, because I, I have been saved by faith, I get some stuff. Therefore, because I've been justified by faith, I get access to God. I get opportunity to build my character. I start to look more like Jesus. And then he reminds us, look, all this grace you're getting, don't let it turn into a light thing. You say, well, I can just go sin and get grace. Because chapter 6, he says, no, you can't do that. So I continue in sin that grace may abound? No. Matter of fact, here's what you do. Remember your baptism. He uses three illustrations. Baptism, slavery, and marriage. And he says, remember your baptism. When you committed to God, you said, I'm going to live a different life. The old man is dead. Leave him dead. You became a slave to Christ. You're no longer a slave to the flesh. Matter of fact, it's just like when you got married and all of a sudden you were married for life, but that mate dies and now you're free. You're free from the law of sin and death that killed you. You're free from that now. You're not bound by that. Even though you have that struggle, chapter 7, of going back and forth, man, the thing I want to do, I don't do, and the thing I don't, uh, I, I need to do, I don't do, and all you get in that battle, he says at the end of chapter 7, oh, wretched man that I am. But then chapter 8. Whoo, don't you love a chapter 8? For there is now no condemnation. For though no, there is now no condemnation. No means no. There's now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because we've been set free, he says, from the law of sin and death. That law that said every time I sin, I die. That's the lie Satan tries to keep you under, by the way. You've been set free. You don't live under that law anymore. You live under a law of love, a law of grace. And so now as you walk, you walk more than conquerors. You walk with God working out all things for the good. You walk with the Holy Spirit living inside you. You walk free. Free. The spirit of freedom. And nothing can separate you from the love of God. Matter of fact, God had that all planned from the beginning. Look how He treated Israel, chapter 9 and 10 and 11. And He had, He had from the beginning a great love for this nation, and through the gospel gives them a way to be right with Him outside keeping the law. You couldn't keep the law anymore. But He loved His people, and He planned it that way. Because He's the one that shapes the clay. And He's sovereign. 
And we get to chapter 12. He says, Therefore, all that stuff that went before, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Actually, don't forget the first part of the verse where he says, in view of God's what? Mercies. You ever had one of those viewfinders when you were a kid and you looked in there and you saw all the bright things, the animals and all that kind of thing? God says, put on your viewfinders. Look at all the mercies God's shown his people over the years. In view of God's mercies, how he works with people. When you see and understand that, present yourself, present your body a living sacrifice. That's your worship. That's your service. And don't be conformed to the world, but be what? Transform. Conformity happens for pressure on the outside. Transformation takes place from pressure on the inside, which is where the Holy Spirit lives, dwells in us. This gospel is going to teach you how to live holy. Remember, it's going to teach you how to love one another and how to use your talents and gifts within a body of people. It's going to teach you how to get along with those that are weaker and stronger. It's going to teach you how to honor folks that even do you wrong. It's going to teach you how to live within the government that you are under at the time. All that's Romans 12 and Romans 13 and Romans 14 and 15. How to treat brothers and sisters that have some problems with what you do. And then in chapter 16, greet all these people. Because I love them dearly. They've got house churches and they're functioning for the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, especially Phoebe, except her, she's the woman that Paul sends the letter by, by the way. The woman delivers the letter of importance, the book of Romans, to this group of people. If you'll ever get the book of Romans, it'll get you. So many times we're walking through life dragging behind us baggage of guilt, shame, things that we should have let go of even though we've had victory over them. But Satan talks us into carrying those things along in life. When you've, when you've got plain verses that says, look, you're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. You inherit whatever Jesus inherits. You have his spirit living in you. Matter of fact, we can't wait till he comes again. The earth groans for the coming. The spirit groans and we groan. There's all kinds of groaning saying, look, it's going to be great the day he shows up. There is now no condemnation for those. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So really the question in Romans, as we start understanding the gospel it's power to reveal how God has saved us. But it's also about our faith to believe it. Things that cause people not to believe usually comes from lies that we've let Satan plant in our minds over a long period of time. So what happens to most people, it'll happen, it'll happen like me, to me. Remember the first John, uh, first John verse 5, 13? These things have I written to you that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know you have eternal life. 
Matter of fact, I, I quoted that verse the week before I came to school of preaching back in 1977, 76. A guy, an old preacher back home asked me, I heard you're going to school of preaching. I said, oh, I am. I just want to get all the Bible I can. You know, I just want to, I didn't really have, I didn't have a desire to preach per se at the time. I just want to get a bunch of Bible. Been converted and I wanted to learn. He said, well, you, you can't, you don't want to go down there, do you? That school, that church. I said, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he said, no. He said, they, they teach you can know you're saved. And I said, yeah. He said, well, you don't, you can't know you're saved. That's what the judgment's for. Now that guy preached for a church. Think about how much hope that congregation had. This is the power of the Satan's lies that he plants in churches through legalism. I said, oh yeah, I'm going down there where you can know. But I I will admit it was a struggle. Because the longest distance is from here to here. I could read the verse, I know I'm saved. But somehow or another, it didn't correct the emotion of my heart at the same time. What does? Continually being in this book and seeing the greatness and believing the Word of God and applying it to your heart. I am so tired of Satan robbing Christians of the joy and assurance they should have on their walk in life. Enough's enough. Don't you let Satan steal the assurance you have as God's child. You're conquerors. You're more than conquerors. You're a holy people. You're royalty. You're going to inherit whatever Jesus inherits. And you're made for His purpose to His glory. And you don't take any glory in it because you didn't have anything to do with it. God's righteousness did it. We just put our faith in it and enjoy the love and freedom and assurance that God gives us. What do you think? Do we need the book of Romans? Whew. We desperately need it. Because here's why. If you and I are not assured of our salvation, we won't share that with anyone else. We won't share the gospel with anyone else. I mean, why would we? Hey, look, let me share with you some information that you might be saved if you get in on it, but I'm not sure, but you know you've got a better chance here than where you are now. So, hey, come on and be miserable with me. Well, that's good news, right? No. No, we have the greatest news of all. It's the news that Jesus Christ died for your sins and mine to settle God's justice. And to take me out from under that law that says every time I sin I die. And put me under a law of grace. 
I love that song. By grace I am redeemed. By grace I am restored. It's only by the grace of God. So I want to I want to read two more verses. I want to read our original reading and then I want to go back and read the last section of that in Romans. Remember this. You believe the gospel, that's becoming a Christian. You live the gospel, Paul's going to deal with that holiness factor all through, and then you share the gospel. You believe it, you live it, you share it. Say that with me. You believe it, you live it, you share it. One more time. You believe it, you live it, you share it. And you do so with confidence because of God, not us. Chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness of God is revealed. The curtain's pulled back. That is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now Romans 16, verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for a long ages past, but now revealed... And made known through the prophet's writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all nations might believe and obey him. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. And the church said, Amen. Amen. So we begin our journey on the Roman road. And it's going to take the gospel to depths that you've might, might never thought of. But it will restore some assurance and grace and confidence as God's people as we move forward. Becoming what he wants us to be no matter what time in history we live. The gospel does not need dressed up by religion. The gospel doesn't need smoothed over by presentations. The gospel just needs to be within the heart of people who are unashamed and love people deeply. That's all. I, I tell you sometimes churches and religions mess up a good message if you ain't careful. The simplicity, yet the powerful news of the gospel. So here's the question today. Are you saved? Fair question. If the gospel is a power to save, are you saved? Has the gospel been powerful in your life? If not, put your faith and trust in that story. Walk down these old uncarpeted concrete floors here in this room. And we'll baptize you into Christ. You start life all over brand new. You lay your head on your pillow tonight and go to sleep knowing 100% you're right with God. 
Or maybe you believe the lie of old Satan says it keeps you locked up and locked down, thinking that every time you make a mistake, you're lost. Get rid of that lie. Submit yourself under the Word of God and let God's grace restore you to a place of joy and a place of forgiveness to where you become a powerful messenger of the gospel because you're no longer letting sins keep you bound when those chains have already been broken. Whatever needs you have, that's why we have invitations at this church. We just want to always give folks the opportunity to respond to the gospel. If you have that need, would you come while we stand and while we sing?